Hello and welcome back. It's been another week in Oklahoma education. And um, yeah, it was a little weird weather-wise. It started off pretty warm and then got it got, kind of got cold. Uh, there were a lot of frozen students and frozen handshakes when they greeted me at the door towards the end of the week. Um, and uh, well, and just... There was, there was a lot of reminders of, of things from earlier in my career and what sh can and should be done. And ultimately, uh, what made me think about this is also I had a student on Wednesday for their resource time. They really wanted to borrow a uh, book because apparently they were all caught up and they didn't know what to do for the next hour and 40 minutes. So they borrowed a book called The Obstacle is the Way by uh, Ryan Holiday. He's a, a popularizer of Stoic philosophy the, from the ancient Greeks. But he, uh, the student borrowed the book, and it got me thinking about it. It's like, that's been my week. Because, spoilers, the kind of point of the book is the obstacle is the way. The obstacle is the opportunity to learn, whether it's an obstacle, whether it be in business or personal, um, more professional, financially, emotionally, mentally, whatever the issue is, you gain the most strength and knowledge from facing it, by facing the obstacle. And I uh, thought of quite a few of those things that have happened during my teaching career, and even some reminders in this last year or last few weeks of a big one was just uh, classroom management. My first year teaching at Crooked Oak Schools, and I was um, hired... Technically, I was hired to watch ISI for a day or for an hour, uh, teach a sophomore history class, a freshman history class, a sixth grade history class, and an eighth grade government class. And um, little did I know until way later that my ninth and tenth grade classes, the teacher, because I got hired late and they were told to bring in uh, a new teacher, so they had to split up some classes. And the high school teacher, gave me some mid to high level students and he kept uh, the interesting ones, I think he said. And the same thing with the sixth grade, but the eighth grade teachers apparently picked all of the ones they didn't want and dropped them off in my room. I didn't know that. I just thought, wow, this is an energetic group of eighth graders who could care less about government. So that was interesting, but I remember getting so frustrated and I had befriended uh, a teacher next door in the middle school building, and I remember her offering to come in and have a have a chat with them, help them figure it out. And I remember thinking, oh, finally, someone will help me out, and I'll just tell them that you know they should. I don't I don't know what they were going to tell them. That they should listen to me. That uh, I'm in charge. Uh, I, but that's the problem. The more I thought about it that night, it was just like, yeah, that's not good for long term. Having someone else come in and shush my students, have someone else come in and say, you need to listen to him. And I just realized how wrong, if not weak, that would sound. And I remember calling her up later that night or that next morning saying, you know what, I appreciate the offer, but I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. And it, I'm not going to lie, it was a struggle, but I had to figure it out in terms of my voice as an authority figure uh, that has to appear sometimes in the classroom, uh, and my my voice as a teacher and how I was going to handle those situations. 
And I'm thankful I, I had that attitude and I and I politely declined what she obviously thought was help because I had to develop the the skills for that. And as I left Crooked Oak and went to Putnam City to teach in the middle school there for the next 11 years, I took those lessons with me of, you know, what what's really going on here in the system and in my class and how can I handle it? And some other things along the way, because then I started figuring out if I can't explain this as to why this is irritating to a, a principal or a parent, maybe I shouldn't be sending it to the office. Maybe, especially, and I'm, and I mean by can't explain it is like the, the pettiness of it, because that happens. If we're honest, sometimes students just do a bunch of little things over and over again that really gets on your nerves after a few days and weeks. But it's the last thing that usually gets reported, and that last thing just sounds so dumb sometimes, especially as you're trying to be professional and explain. Like, yeah, they're in the office because they didn't have a pencil. And it's like, I know from frustration it's more than that, but that's what the student will say, and that's what the principal will hear. And then if that's associated with me, that's professional respect lost. I mean, seriously, figure it out. But I learned that I have to handle those on my own. And I had I developed a little discipline log system. So if I did have someone who is uh, sometimes what I refer to as a low-grade butthead, and they just do low-grade butthead things over and over, I can document that. And that is a more um, professional-sounding concern to bring to an administration or a parent. It's like, hey, listen here. I, they're not overly distractive or loud, but they... They just kind of do these little things over and over again, multiple times a week. And at this point, yes, they're little, but it's so persistent that I feel like it needs to be addressed. And when you say it like that, the parents, the adults, you know, the, the, the principals are like, oh, yeah, what a great idea. I really appreciate you working with them. And I brought that to the high school where I teach, just that idea of just keep track of it. Now the little the log sheet has turned into a... a um, like a discipline spreadsheet with colors, but it's really nice because when I have to talk to someone about their phone use or their um, behavior, it's really nice to just pull it up, scroll down, type in their name, and it's got all the colors. I can point to them like, hey, this first one was just warning. And then uh, the second one, you know, we could go more, third, fourth, violations listed on there. This makes it more concrete for them. Even my not-so-low-grade buttheads and the ones who just goof sometimes so I remember that journey through those years to where I'm at now that, yeah, it's annoying to have to deal with classroom discipline, but there's way less emotion in it. Um, and I don't have to send a lot of people to the office and I haven't had to in a while, uh, knock on wood. Um, but that process didn't start this year. It's been going on for a while. Another one is grading. Just having the, the sense to sit down and talk about what grading is supposed to be and what it's supposed to represent and how can I do it in a way that communicates information to students without overly um, burdening myself with paperwork. And that's something that I'm, I'm constantly figuring out, even having conversations now about what grading is supposed to be about and, and how best to go about it is just, and it's annoying I think I've said, for I mean, for a lot of teachers, it's annoying. And I think I've said it best uh, in talking with people that the, the grade book is like the heart of a teacher's castle. And talking about their grade book sometimes is like um, 
just kind of button in with some parents and having a conversation about their parenting style. It's it can get emotional and tense pretty quickly, but that's something I've always had to try to stay open on and focus because I don't I don't want to harm students with grades and points and things. Um, and I want to make sure they have a realistic view of how things work in the world in terms of uh, work ethic. So it's it's a constant thought process trying to figure that out. And um, oh, another last one, a big one is a parent teacher conferences. Oh my gosh, I remember I remember just trying to have to call a parent back in the early 2000s when I was a baby Farnham. That would terrify me and I would just avoid it at all costs sometimes uh, which really didn't help because then I didn't enlist that extra voice with it within a, my student's life and so I thought I was avoiding the awkward parent phone call but I was just making class more awkward because they weren't understanding the student was understanding what was wrong obviously they uh, I just let it go because it's like uh if I do something about it, then uh, I'm going to have to do like paperwork, detention, you know, office referral, which means I'll have to get on the phone and talk to these parents. And oh, but I finally had to face that obstacle because I, you know, I had those years, year two, three, four, where it was just like, okay, I can't, this, this is too much, the behavior, the things, and it's not like over the top, it's that low grade butthead thing again. But I had to, I had to figure it out and I had to realize Calling wasn't that big a deal. Just got a script. I mean, sure, my students were coming in different packaging. They were different, um, uh, you know, levels each year. But a lot of the behavior and the mindsets were the same. And it's like, oh, I don't have to come up with something to say to Sally and Juan's and Johnny's and Tim's and Pam's parents because three of them act the same. They just, one of them does it in first hour, one of them does it in second hour, one of them does it in fifth hour. And when you start to realize that, it's like, oh, I'm dressing the behavior, not the person. Oh, this is easy, because they were just talking to me. I just got to let you know. Or they were playing with their phone when they shouldn't have, being the distraction. I just got to let you know. And I finally developed scripts and how I could handle that and talk about that with my parents that I was working with. And then I brought that to the high school, and that's the same way I am now. Like, parent-teacher conferences, they don't, I've had many instances in middle school, but they don't intimidate me more. Sure, like the con the potential for conflict is always going to be like a uh for humans, but I just remember even in teaching middle school and, and sometimes here at the high school, you know what's going to happen. The student is going to tell you the one side of the story and you just have to wait. Be patient. Don't snipe back in emails. Don't don't make pat catty or rude comments to student that you know you're going to have a parent-teacher conference with. You just wait your turn and you then Share the other side. It's like, oh, oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, yeah, that and this and this and this happened in class. And it, it's just to keep your cool thing. Don't freak out. And because in the end, you're just trying to solve things with parents. And yeah, people come in with emotions, but just talk them. Talk to them. Apologize when you need to. Find something to apologize, even if it may be something small, because it makes everyone feel better. But I, again, I don't know that I would have known all of this if I had just let someone else handle these situations for me. And it, in the end, what I um, have done by facing these tasks, these obstacles, is I've built a tool belt. I mean, I came into education and I had my tool belt, fancy new one, 
and all I had was a little hammer on the side. And it became very apparent that a hammer wasn't going to solve all my problems, you know. Having assigning detentions wasn't going to solve all my problems. And I had to develop other tools. And I figured out what a screwdriver was. I figured out what a saw was. And I just slowly got to now, I feel like I jiggle around with a tool belt with all kinds of special tools because I've seen a lot through the years and I've dealt with most of it, but it's become just routine now. The obstacle that would have really thrown me off as a 24-year-old, 25-year-old baby teacher now is like, oh, this is what comes with it. That, that boulder has become a pebble in my way. And my path seems so much smoother because I faced the fear. I chose the obstacle as my way. And I wonder if some of you need to do that. Instead of seeing it as the impediment to action, it, it is the advancement of action. Go towards it. If you're still frustrated with parent-teacher conferences, go towards it. Figure out a script. Focus on the behavior and not... Don't make it personal about the student. If you're still struggling with grading, like talk about it. Talk with other teachers how how they how they do it. I mean, is 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 your gradebook communicating what you think it's going to communicate? And parent teacher conferences, don't take it personal. They're maybe working on half the information, and maybe they've had instances with teachers similar to you. Maybe they hadn't had a good time with a male teacher before, or 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 your your subject before. And just listen and realize the whole story hasn't been told yet. And wait your turn. It'll come. And just bring the intensity down within my own heart and head, that emotional turmoil, but also with the situation. Make the obstacle the way. Develop your tool belt. And as always, have a day.